You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 44. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you today. Thanks for making this show and podcast today a part of your day. I am glad you're here and listening. And if it's your first time listening, especially, I want to welcome you to the show. And if you are not a first time listener, but just coming back, well, thanks for coming on back. Great show for you today. Great interview today. You know, one of the things that you will find yourself in, regardless of your context, the size of your ministry, the role, the region, the culture you find yourself ministering in, is uh, this, this idea of a downturn. So if you stay in one place long enough, for sure, you will find yourself facing some bit of a downturn or a, a slump, if you want to call it that, where maybe your numbers or your attendance isn't where it used to be. And, and there's a lot of reasons that can cause that, um, for sure. And it doesn't necessarily mean that things are unhealthy. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've done anything wrong. But there are some things that you can do to help manage that and really do it well and and kind of come out of that just as healthy as you went into it or better in a better place. There's some things you probably need to do ahead of it, recognizing that it's coming is a big deal. Uh, but you will find it. And if you're not ready for it and you don't really know how to respond to it, it can certainly be extremely discouraging, extremely frustrating and it can definitely be one of those things that can short-circuit longevity uh, to where you are serving. And so, really important topic for us today. Great guest today, Paul Turner, is on the show today, really talking in, about this and tackling this. If you're not familiar with Paul, man, he's a great guy, a youth ministry veteran from way back. Tons of wisdom he shares today. He's a fellow podcaster youth ministry podcaster at that. He podca- his podcast is called Youth Ministry in Motion. And uh, just a great guy using a great mic, man. His microphone sounded great. Uh, I had such a fun time just talking to Paul about this. Really, really helpful. Really, really practical. I know you'll get a whole lot out of it. And so make sure you are standing by, ready to take some notes. Just like always, all of the links, all the resources that we will mention in the interview, you can find at the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode 044. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 044. So you want to head over there and grab all of those goodies. And then, of course, at the end of each episode, we always uh, recommend a resource, and so you'll want to stick around and hear that. Before we jump in, I just want to take a quick second to uh, tell you two things. One, if you're not subscribed to the show, uh, to the podcast, make sure you do that so you catch every episode as it comes out. 
the easiest way to do that, regardless of the platform that you're listening on, is to head over to thelongerhaul.com and sub, and you can find all the subscribe buttons there to do that. But that will make sure that you get all of the episodes as they come out. Also, make sure you jump on the mailing list. Uh, a lot of stuff goes out to the mailing list that doesn't come out on the podcast, doesn't come out on the blog and so some special things that come out there. And then I just want to say a big thanks to those who are supporting the show on Patreon, particularly right now. And uh, I just want to encourage you to go take a look at that. Some cool rewards there for you. And you can find that at thelongerhall.com slash support. And so with all of that said and all that out of the way, we'll jump into today's interview with Paul Turner. Pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Well, hey, Paul, thanks for coming on the show today, man. I really appreciate taking the time to do so. It's uh, kind of a busy time of year, I know. Yeah, yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be here, Jody. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, so, if you're not familiar with Paul, um, Paul Turner is a podcast fellow podcaster, so I certainly appreciate that of the Youth Ministry of Motion podcast. And uh, runs a website called thedisciplesproject.net. Veteran from way, way back, um, 26 years, is that right? 26 years, yeah. You make me sound really old when you say that, when you yeah, say way, 20, way. Way, way back. Well, back. you know, it's not that long ago, really. <laughs> I bet, yeah, most, it I, is. I yeah, bet it is. most listeners are not even 26 <laughs> years old. Uh, I'm like... Yeah, it's funny. So that I makes mean, me feel, that makes me feel so much better, Jody. But, you know, uh, keep that, going, keep that, going, please. That means you have, <laughs> you've stood the test. We talk about longevity on here, though, man. That's, I mean, that's the goal. I think whether or not they were alive when you started or not, the reality is that they're all listening, hearing twenty six years, and everybody's wanting that in their ministry. And so, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and respect that. Um, your man, your twenty six years makes my seventeen seem like nothing, like just a drop in the bucket. No, I'm like the you're catching up. I'm telling you, I'm the I'm, the, I'm like the wet behind the ear still figuring stuff out <laughs> at seventeen. Well, uh, yeah, but your podcast is the long haul. Yeah, so I can't ever quit. Um, no, that's it. You got to stay. You got to stay forever. That's right. That's right. So I have a whole. You don't know this, but I have a whole lot of backdated episodes that are just scheduled to post into eternity. Um, that of just me, right. ram- just me rambling, really. Okay. I just read scripture or something. No, I'm making that up. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's so- like a filibuster in the Senate, right? You're just reading stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's really exciting. Um, just whatever book I found on my shelf that day, I just pulled it down and started reading it. Um, mm-hmm. So for folks, though, who, who may not be familiar with you, uh, who who haven't, kind of heard or been introduced to you before to take just a minute introduce yourself maybe your journey in youth ministry like how did you end up in it in the beginning um and and kind of why are you still doing this just kind of that whole gamut for us well yeah well the the second part of that question i ask myself every day why am i still doing this and then i come up with good answers so uh but the first part is I, I tell people that when I graduated high school, I had really three choices of what I wanted to do. 
and that was the first one was uh, social work because I thought, well, I have you know, I'm a social guy. I, I want to help people, and you know, I think that works for me. And uh, we'll go with that. The second thing was professional bowler. Uh, that was on the table. Wow. I was, I was fair. I was pretty good. I'd gone to a few tournaments and, uh, I was decent. I had a pretty good, you know, like a 143 average or something like that. And was, now did was you, cranking out. did you wear really cool sunglasses when you bowled like on ESPN? No, I didn't. No, that wasn't it. Well, that wasn't in style really then. You just were, you know, I was just a scrub, you know, so I, I didn't have like flowery shirts or any kind of anything, you know, I wasn't, uh, wasn't that flashy. So I just got up and did the work. And then the last job that um, sounded fairly reasonable was be a youth pastor. And the reason uh, I really felt like that was the direction to go and the Lord led me into that is because I had great youth pastors. I watched what they did. Uh, they they taught me. They really trained me. I mean, they really did. I mean, the things I had three youth pastors during my life. And they each came in at a different phase of my life uh, and taught me something different. And so, uh, my first youth pastor taught me just the value of connection and relationships. And he would drive me home uh, after our youth meetings at a camp, actually. And he would drive me home and build relationships, uh, and he taught me that. My second uh, youth pastor taught me about the value of Scripture and the value of reading uh, your Bible. And uh, he would ask, you know, uh, he, I'd come up with a question, and he'd say, well, what does the Bible say? And i go, I don't know. That's why I'm asking <laughs> you, man. It's your job. He said, and he would challenge me. Yeah, it's your job to know these things. If I wanted to know, I'd read it myself. But uh, <laughs> And so he turned me on to that, had a fantastic library, turned me on to a love of books. And then my third youth pastor taught me the value of uh, outreach and the importance of the soul. Uh, because he did a tremendous amount of outreach, did a tremendous amount of uh, of, um, of evangelism, and taught me that. and And each of those had a had a just a valuable impact on my life, which really, you know, made professional bowling and social work seem rather small in light of it. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And uh, and that's how I started my journey. Was just I had great youth pastors in my life who taught me different things at different phases and things like that. And, and I, you know, I just enjoyed, um, uh, you know, helping people know the Lord, uh, helping people, you know, just like all three, but I enjoyed building relationships. I enjoyed teaching kids the word and I enjoyed reaching souls. And so all three of those, you know, fit right into the, uh, right into the mix of, uh, being a youth pastor. So I said, that's great. That works for me. And, and there I am. And that's what, uh, that's where the Lord led me. And, and the Lord has kept me these past 26 years. And what keeps me in, you know, I joke about, you know, those things and you get older in this thing and you do ask those questions because you're, you know, you're, whether it's your ability to keep up with kids or whether or not you care about whatever new music is there or <laughs> whatever it may be, which, you know, eventually you won't. So I'm just letting you know now you're not going to care who's the latest band is. You're just going to care about Jesus and that kid. And so for me, it's a matter of, of, doing 
um, doing what God's called me to do. Cause I'd be the first to tell you if I wasn't, if I'm not suited, I'll walk. I'll just say, that's it. I'm done. I'm just that kind of guy. I won't, I won't hang around. I won't hang on. I won't belabor the point when I know I'm, when I feel like the Lord's released me, I'll be done, but he hasn't yet. And that's part of my growth. That's part of me pushing through and persevering through, you know, what we're going to be talking about today, which is things like down cycles, uh, in youth ministry, because you tend to reflect that upon yourself, that you think you're a terrible person, you're no good no more, and you just want to quit and give everything up. And in reality, you have to be able to push through those things and endure those things so God can teach you some things about yourself, uh, not the latest, newest trick, but some really things about your own heart of why do you want it so bad, Paul? Why do you want to stay in it? You know, And you have to reflect upon those things. And then you go back and you think back and and, uh, you know, I, I wrote one time that the, the number one thing you need to stay in youth ministry a long time is a good memory. If you can remember, still remember when you were 13 years old and getting the, you know, crap beat out of you in middle school, you desperately understand your, <laughs> these kids that you're ministering to. If you can remember when you were 13 years old and all the garbage you went through, you tend to stick around a little bit more and say, you know what? I think I still have, as Rocky Balboa said, I still have some things in the tank. I yeah. feel like I still have some things in the tank that I can offer. And, um, and so there. So that's, that's kind of my, my journey in a nutshell there. Yeah, and what's, well, so two things there that that's jump out. One is you chose youth ministry, which means you do a bit of social work, and you get paid to bowl when you take students bowling. <laughs> And and that is true. That is so, true. And I shame those kids. I just want yeah. to point that out. Well, you should. I shame them. Yeah, I do that with dodgeball. And uh, <laughs> I do that with dodgeball. I tell people all the time. They're yeah. like, "What do you do for a living?" I'm a professional dodgeball player. Oh, and, there you go. Yeah, it, I get less awkward looks than when I say I'm a pastor. When I, if I say I'm a pastor, the conversation ends generally. But if I tell them yeah, I'm a professional dodgeball player, there's some interest there. Uh, it doesn't yeah, go much yeah. further, but it does make it a little further. A little bit further, because they find that to be fascinating. Yeah. Tell and me about really, that. Really? Do you get paid for that? Do you get yeah. paid for that? Every time I play. Yeah. Every time I play. Have you not seen the movie Dodgeball? Right. It's and, a big business. And I win most of the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm too, I, don't, I'm too, I'm too, I, I don't move like I used to. I just have threatening glares. Yeah. They, like, I will get you. I don't tell them Come I'm at playing me, against, like, middle schoolers, you know? <laughs> that's not, that's not <laughs> important. Right. That's not important. No, no. It's yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. The other thing I think is super important, and I've talked about this before, um, is, you know, this idea of having a, a really good memory. And um, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got once I started youth ministry was to keep an encouragement folder. Um, in my filing cabinet. And I think every youth pastor of any longevity has one of these where, because the cards and the notes, they don't come super often, um, regardless of the size of your ministry. And so when those come, man, stick those in a folder because you're going to need those often, um, just as a reminder that makes a difference. I've I've carried them in my wallet. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've taken uh, until they get washed until I accidentally wash my, my, my wallet. I keep them in my wallet. I've know I've taken them out from time to time and I will, uh, uh, sit there and just read it and yeah. go, okay. That's it. Yeah. I've got a file in my filing cabinet and I have a folder, a notebook in my Evernote, um, of those. And so a lot of times I'll, 
I'll snap a picture and stick it in Evernote and um, it's there. Or if it's an email, I'll save that over. Whether it's a parent, student, senior adult, just anybody that is saying anything remotely <laughs> encouraging, um, I keep them because, I mean, man, there's times where I, I probably quit once a week, you know, uh, where I go home. Yeah. Man, that's Well, it. you're young. You're young. That'll go up. That's right. That's right. That'll go up. Yeah, it'll increase. Stay in uh, it a little bit longer. That'll you'll pick up speed. Yeah, yeah. I get, there's there's I mean there's pretty regularly and and I joke about that to an extent, but in all honesty, there are plenty of times where I go home and the drive home is a long conversation with me and the Lord, just saying I just don't think I can do this anymore or that I want to do this anymore. Yeah. And you know, I go home, I go to bed. Yeah, I have those conversations before the youth meeting. I have those conversations before the youth meeting. Yeah, I, they and then I then I then the Lord says, "No, you, you got to go in there." Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I right. said, "Okay." I wake up the next morning. I go into work, and uh, and it just you know it is what it is. And and the Lord has a way of restoring and and just keep going. And and I think of man, just the calling of the Lord is is so strong and so irrevocable, right? Is is as we could argue that yeah. just, it just and, keeps and gentle and gentle and patient and gentle and kind. Yeah. And, um, but there it are, it is, it's all of those things. If, there are times though, boy, where I would take a nine to five job in about two seconds. If, if in one of those moments I was sitting at the red light, having that conversation and somebody pulled up beside me and said, hey, I'll give you a nine-to-five job making half of what you make right now, but you won't ever have to receive late-night phone calls, no emails, and you won't have to lose sleep over your job or those that you work for. That would be really Well, tough. see, you've never worked retail then, my friend, because I think uh, uh, the minute I have those thoughts, and I do have them, uh, I worked a Christmas season. In between youth ministries, I worked Christmas at a uh, department store in a mall. And all I have to do is think of that. And then I am clicked back into reality and says, what are you, stupid? There's no way. You're an idiot. There's no way you'd go back to that. Yeah, I worked. So I've had a billion jobs, it seems. I worked as a, a, an electrician for a while doing some commercial electrical stuff. Um, let's see. I worked at a smoothie shop for a bit. Yeah, I uh, worked at. I uh, wouldn't be bad. I was a teen director at the YMCA for a long time, um, while I was bivocational, which was kind of like being a right. pastor in two places. But it was fun. I enjoyed sure. it. Um, I drove a bus for a while. Uh, painted for. A, I mean, I you know you just you do what you have to do, but man, there are some moments. Where I know. Yeah. The the pain of doing student ministry, both personally. And just watching families uh, at times just walk through things, man, it's it's more than than you can bear on your own, and 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 it's supposed to be that way, and and so we lean in heavily to the Lord there as the student pastor as well, and allow no the question. Lord to teach no us. Question. And it's good, man. I mean, it's I always come out of those reminded of just the Lord's faithfulness, but you gotta have the an encouragement folks. Oh, yeah. The highs are really high, but the lows are really low. Oh, yeah. Yeah, rock bottom. And so, you know, I think what we're talking about today has the potential to drive you to that place where you're ready to step out. Uh, oh, yeah. Because you're going to hit the down season. So I, I tell me, 
you tell me what you think about this, Paul, because I, I have, I've written about this, man, I've talked about this forever. I haven't really heard, this is just coming from me, so this isn't, this is just my observation. I don't, there's probably people smarter than me that, that know this. But I believe very heavily that there are seasons in ministry, in a ministry of longevity. And I believe it is uh, one of the reasons why guys don't stick around, because they fail to recognize the seasons. So just in general, I think your first six months, you're just trying to figure out who's who, what's what, which way's up. Remember, you know, find, figure out names, going through all the last guy's junk and figure, you know, all that stuff. Everybody's excited you're there. Okay. Then you hit about a year in, you kind of have a good handle on what you've got and you have a lot of ambitions and dreams. Usually, if you haven't already ticked a bunch of people off, you're starting to make some significant changes there and, um, and, but you're still heading in a, in a decent trajectory. But somewhere around the two to three year mark, two and a half, everything's going to fall apart or, or something is. You're going to have yeah. some type of major conflict that, that you're not going to see coming. Um, and it's going to be really painful and really difficult. And that is where I think most people jump ship and they go to the next place and they hit the same cycle. But if you can stay through that, persevere through that, when you hit year four, things start to take a really good uptick. It, four years yeah. in is where it starts to get really fun. When yep. you hit five, you're sailing. But until you hit seven, you can't really even evaluate what you're producing because you're, you know, maybe right. six. If you, if, so if you run seventh grade through 12th, at six, you can take a good look at that. But really, even then, you need a couple years to, to kind of really see consistently what you are producing. Um, and I, I think if you don't recognize those types of seasons, you'll, you'll derail yourself every time. And I don't know if you did you experience similar similar things in your ministry. Well, yeah, there's. I'll tell you, I've never been, and this is for various reasons, not necessarily that I just wanted to, you know, whatever, but various reasons across the board. Um, I've not been in a church longer than five years, except the church I'm in right now. And the reason for those other things were a combination of, like I said, all kinds of different things going on and, and other stuff happening. Um, I don't know if it was, be, I don't know, I can't nail down that I've just, if I just hit a, hit a point or hit a thing or, uh, or it was just, you know, it got too crazy or, or whatever was happening. But I can tell you that being in the church I'm in now, I'm going into, this is, I'll be year, this is the end of year seven and so I'll, by the ne- by the next school season, I'll be I'll be starting year eight, and so from that perspective, uh, I can say that. And every church is different, right? I'm in a I'm kind sure, of in a semi rural sure. type of church, so everybody's everybody's listening is going to be in a different situation. But you're right about the fact that the cycles that you run through. And it depends on a lot of things. There's a lot of factors going here. There's there's demographics. There's how well is your church doing when everything's popping and doing all those things. You know that's that's great for our egos, um, but I don't know if it's doing so great 
for our walk with the Lord uh, in the sense of understanding the cycles and understanding the downturns and understanding, you know, this, the process of life that you go through these, these seasons, like you said, of where you have to, I mean, look, every Bible character goes through them, right? I mean, Elijah goes through it. David goes through it. All these things where these great miracles and great these things, and then suddenly they're hiding in a cave. I mean, you know, all of this is part of the is part of the package of ministry. That if that if a young man who's listening to this right now will will prepare himself and say, "I was told about this. This would happen." That that person's going to be far more well prepared than the person who just thinks that everything's supposed to go great yeah. all the time. And if it doesn't, then they're a terrible person. Yeah, so in I've been at in so in seventeen years I've been at three churches. The first church I was a volunteer, um, and at two two and a half years, and it and it look I'm not saying you should never. There's not a reason to leave. That's not what I'm saying. I don't I don't want to be right. Don't misquote right. me on that. Um, but right. it was right around two two and a half. The pastor left. The church had really been in decline for a while, and uh, they made the decision. They were looking strongly and did eventually make the decision at merging with another church and um, kind of relaunching. And and so for me at the time, I was in college at the time, it, you know, so I stepped out of, of that role. The next church I served at, I was there for eight years and um, I, or almost eight years, and I was part-time, was bivocational at that church the entire time. And right about the two-year mark, the pastor that hired me left, and a new pastor came in. And it would have been really easy in that moment, rather than working through things with the new pastor and trying to get on the same page and same vision and same direction, which takes time and patience on both. Uh, yeah. Again, though, yeah. it was right about that two- to three-year mark, man, I, I could have stepped out and left. And then here, where I am now, I'm, so I'm full-time here, I've been full-time here, and and the first one, let me say this too, the first church was small town, small town uh, in a, a little more of a, uh, it was a predominantly white church in a very minority uh, driven community, a lot of, right. uh, and, and, and not as a result, not, not necessarily as directly connected to any racial issues, but there was just, it was in a really crime ridden area. Um, sure. And so, uh, so there was a, there was a, that. And, and then the second was in a smaller town, but closer to the city, but not too far away from a seminary. Okay. So a little bit of a different culture. And then now I'm like Metro Atlanta. I'm in this, I mean, I, this is, mm. this is city. Um, and so, all three have been very different contexts in different roles and capacities, and yet all three have brought similar seasons. Almost, I mean, I could almost circle it on the calendar. And I, the only common factor there is me, and so it could be me. Uh, maybe I'm just the problem that somewhere around two, two and a half years, I just decide to <laughs> blow everything up. I don't think so, um, but, I, but I have seen it in so many others that I talk to or who email or contact sure. the show that I just feel like there's a pattern in that given those seasons, we also hit normal cycles. Like what we're talking about where your ministry just takes a real, a, just a downturn. Um, 
And those can be brought on by a lot of things, right? And so, I mean, I know this is something you've talked about recently as well. What do you see in that? Well, like you said, there's various things. And if you've ever been caught in a riptide, which I have, it feels a lot like that, where where you are being sucked out and the land keeps getting smaller and smaller. And, uh, and, and that whole feeling, like, like the whole thing is slipping away from you somehow. And, you know, once again, it may not have anything to do with you. It may have nothing to do with you. It doesn't matter whether you are, are, are just, you know, super evangelists. You may, it, there may be, you know, you, it, it hasn't anything to do with this with personality or with your giftings. There's just things that are going on in your community, in your church, and other things where you're not getting enough. You know, there's no kids coming up from children's church, and and your college people are moving away. And you know, uh, you know, I, I'm experiencing this right now in in our ministry where you were, like I said, a semi kind of rural kind of church, um, and we've been at the same. We've kind of plateaued at a certain level as as many rural churches do you're only going to you know get what you're going to get within a certain community and um and so for me you know when you're sitting there watching your group dwindle once again for various reasons college moving away working kids just grow up and get out of the house and whatever they're doing go to the military um you know and you're watching and then you have to you know then you have then the soul searching begins right and you start asking yourself those hard questions. Am I not, you know, am I not good anymore? Is this what's going on? And let me tell you what, I, I've, listen, being here now, uh, finishing up seven years, um, I have a great pastor, right? Uh, and it really depends who your leadership is too. If, 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 the, if it's a numbers game every week, if, you're, if the first question your pastor asks you on Thursday morning is how many did you have last night? Um, yeah, those are not great conversations to have. Right. Um, but with the, with the cur- with the current pastor I have right now, um, we work very well hand in hand. We work very well in the sense of understanding where we're at. We know each of us are doing our best. We know that uh, God is in control of this thing, you know. Um, but that doesn't doesn't necessarily, you know, even though you have all those things going for you, like I do, um, it doesn't. Uh, I don't know, soften the blow, right? That, um, that what you're, what you used to show up with, like in the, like in the early summer or summer, I was, you know, we were running maybe 40, 45, something like that. And then when fall hits suddenly, you know, for various reasons, like I said, kids, parents, you know, parents leave the church or they go to another church or whatever they do. And you're sitting there looking at 12 to 15 every week and, uh, you're sitting there going, okay, then you start saying, listen, my commitment to this body isn't based on how many numbers there are. It's not I'm, I, because if you do that, you're letting your 12 or 15 core kids that come every week. And if you're showing disappointment every week and saying, you know, I learned, I can't remember who said this, but um, somebody said, look, when you say, you say things like, well, where is everybody? <laughs> well, that sort of diminishes the commitment <laughs> right. the kids who are there have made. Where is everybody? Yeah. And I, I switched it around. I started saying, man, I said, all the cool people are here tonight. Yeah. All the cool people showed up. All those uh, losers are at home playing Xbox or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and, uh, and so for that, for that sake there, 
I think you have, that's where you really dig into your calling that what are you called to do? Are you simply called to have large numbers and hype and all that? Or are you called to disciple kids? If you're called to disciple kids, man, you struggle, you work through it. Uh, you, you start as when you're in a riptide, they tell you to swim parallel, right? Right, Swim parallel to the land and then you get out of that. And so at some point, you have to remain even. You have to remain emotionally even. You can't fly off the handle. You can't go way down in the depths, and you can't go way up in the hype. You got to stay. You got to be parallel, man. You got to, you know, you know, pray parallel with your situation, you know, and say, Lord, I'm grateful for every kid. You know, every kid that comes, I'm grateful for those kids. Be grateful for them. Pray in the now, right? Pray. Don't pray and say, well, I wish it could be like it used to be. Well, no, you don't because that's old. That's, you know, what you're not leaving any room for God to do anything new. Yeah. Uh, if you're simply praying for the old things to be they, the way they were, you know, uh, the next thing I think you have to do is I think you have to, you know, promote par- parallel. In other words, you have to, you can't uh, sell the thing. You can't just be. Uh, you know, here's all the hype and, you know, come inside and, you know, it, it, it just, you have to be honest about who you are. You have to be authentic with who you are and say, this is our group right now. This is what we can offer as a community, as fellow believers. Here's what we offer. Yeah. We don't have a lot of this, but we sure do have kids who are friendly. We have kids that will love you, uh, that you'll love to go on retreats with, uh, and hang with. Um, you know, I, I think you also have to stay positive. Um, you know, you have to be able to stay positive in those moments. Cause if you start getting on Facebook and dragging your, you know, woes and problems out there and woe is me, oh, uh, yeah. that's not going to go well. No, it's not going to no, go no. well. I think you just have to, you have to, at some point remain, you have to find that gold nugget in the pile of poop and you may have to dig a lot through it, but you'll find it. And you say, you know what? That's it. And you say, look, that's that's the thing right there. Um, and be able to be able to find the positive things that are going on. Find the win. Find the win-win situation and say, you know what? I'm, that's the direction I'm going to go. And I'm not going to I'm not going to bad mouth. I'm not going to uh, bad mouth the kids we have. I think for me, I have great students. They're 12 to 15. They're faithful. They love God. Um, you know, a lot, you know, your demographics thing, you know, quite a bit are homeschooled. So their influence is not great. And you just have to love them and say, you know what? These kids didn't ask for all this. They didn't, we're not, we're in a rural town. Your, your connections or your influence is not great. Listen, I'm going to love you anyway. Whether you have anything, you're just going to bring yourself into the room and that's it. I love you. I love you not for what you can do for this youth ministry or for me or my ego or anything else. I'm just going to love you, and that's it. And that's what you have to do. You have to remain positive and say, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And that's that's where you do the soul searching, and you work through that process. You know, it is a process, and you work through it, and the cycle will change. Yeah, It, I, it may not change tomorrow, but, but, but it will change. You will come out of it. Yeah, I think longevity, I mean, not to... I mean, obviously, that's what the podcast is about, but I think longevity is your friend here. Um, that's an easier, it's an easier situation to deal with when you've been there a few years than if it happens yeah. like year two. Um, longevity really helps you personally sustain that, but also you've earned some trust there that that will help you carry through these these moments. The other thing I think is I was told really early on, and I don't remember where it, where I heard it, but I was told you will define, ultimately, you will define the success of your ministry. And so 
what I would say to that is you're going to have a downturn at some point. It's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. So you need to get ahead of that as best you can and be intentional and careful about how you define success. If every time you get up in front of the church or every time you talk to your board or your pastor or whoever, parents, and if the only thing you ever talk about or the main thing you talk about is how many students you had or took to an event, you are going to crucify yourself when the downturn comes because you're training people that that's success. Pay attention to the numbers. Yeah. And so I'm you're, if you're paying attention to it, everybody else is paying attention to it too. Yeah. And look, numbers matter because I mean, people matter. Students number, uh, students are sure. numbered and they matter. I'm not saying they don't matter, but right. You know, I make it a, I've been really intentional over the years to, I don't even talk about numbers. Um, unless I'm point blank asked, I will not even, and then I try to get around it. Um, just because I don't want that to be defined as success. Like our success and and you hear statements like, well, if just one student came to the Lord, you know, it was worth it. No, you know what? It was worth it regardless because we were faithful and obedient to what God called us to do. It, I, it's not, we're not defined right. on how many people came to Christ or how many students showed up. Uh, we, we were faithful and obedient to the Lord, and that defines our success. And so you you can't be super argumentative about that, like... I wouldn't probably say it as directly as that to someone, but at the same time, like you, you've got to be mindful of how you're determining success uh, as well, and that you're highlighting things that the Lord is doing that aren't the numbers, and you have to, or you will die when this happens. And and you won't even yeah. have to. I mean, that you'll be eaten alive because people will see it and they'll immediate thought is something's wrong. Um, and right. You know, with you, something with wrong you. with you. Something's wrong with what you're yeah. doing, yeah, or with you, or you're not connecting right. anymore, or you know the kids just don't like coming anymore, or and that that's not necessarily the case. The other side is, and maybe you know your thoughts on this would be good. How do you, how do you maintain momentum, if you will? Maybe that's not the best word, but with within the students who are coming, so that they don't look around and go. Man, everybody's quit, or not? There's not as many here as used there used to be. You know, how do you maximize that? Whatever momentum is there, are there some are there some tips or tricks that you throw? Things that you're mindful to do? Because I have a few. They're kind of cheesy, but they seem to work for me really well. <laughs> but I would love to hear kind uh-huh. of your thoughts on it. You know, I remind the kids of their faithfulness. I say, you guys are faithful. You guys are faithful. You guys are, you know, you were, you were, I remind those kids that are there. I say, look, you were with us when we started out. When I first came to the church, uh, came to this church, you know, we had about, you know, uh, whatever we had, maybe 20 or 25 or something like that. Uh, Then there was just, you know, graduating seniors, other things came on. Uh, and then a tornado came and destroyed our church mm. uh, and ripped and tore it apart. And then we started over again, and we had, you know, 8 to 12, right? Yeah. We've seen it grow. We've seen it swell. And then I remind those kids, I said, you were with us in that building, in that in that cramped little room we had to meet in, 
right? I, I remind them of their faithfulness. I remind them of saying, hey, listen, we've been through it. We've been through this. We can make it through together. We've been through some. When you have history and you stay around long enough, back to the longevity, if you're willing to go through things with people, uh, let me tell you what, those kids will fight for you. Those kids will, those kids will uh, do whatever. And these kids that I have in my youth group, man, they'll do whatever. They're, they're just gold, man. They, when you go through stuff together, and the ones that haven't been there long enough or whatever, haven't, don't have history with you, um, you know, you got to be. I, man, I just, I'm social. You know, I use everything that's available to me. I do, I do, you know, Instagram. I do Snapchat. I do, you know, I just stay. You know, I, I'm just, I can't be a Wednesday night guy. I just can't be a guy's like I'm just going to show up on Wednesday and whatever. So, you know, I'm doing, you know, Facebook Live. Uh, videos in the morning when I go for a walk. Sometimes I have students peek in on that. And so I'm trying to, you know, I think the goal is just to, just to be in their lives somehow every day, whether it's social, whether it's through phone calls, whether it's those kind of things. So um, to where you're saying, look, I'm, I'm committed beyond the Wednesday night. I'm committed to a lifestyle of discipleship that whenever you were together or not together, um, I'm available to you socially or, or in ministry capacity or, you know, whatever that may be. So, uh, for me, that's how I kind of maintain momentum as I continue to show up, uh, you know, just be faithful to do it. I mean, look, what you would do with 25, 12 or 15, you should always do with 50 or a hundred, yeah. you know, you go to the band concerts, you're going to band concerts, you're going to football games, you're going to, uh, small celebrations. You're going to funerals. You're going to weddings. You're, you know, you're you're maintaining a posture that says, "Look, I'm not going to let my down cycle affect our relationship," uh, I, because you can get into a mode where you're blaming kids that this is somebody's fault, right. <laughs> and I I don't recommend that. By the way, I don't recommend uh, blaming kids. I, I I recommend challenging them. But I don't recommend blaming them because that winds up coming back on you, and that's just a, a terrible posture uh, you don't want to take. You want to remind kids of their faithfulness, that God's been faithful to us as a youth ministry, that we have seen a lot of great things. And I think you have to remember those things, and I think the last thing is um, you have to forecast for the future and say, look, guys, we're going to come out of this. We're going to build the, the momentum that we're building. God will do a new thing. It won't be look like the old thing. But God will do a new thing, and if we can hang on, and if we can pray through, and if we can get to that place together, you know, we're going to see God do some amazing things, and uh, and we just got to hang on and be t- be be tight about it. So, you know, that's I think once again, you're beyond you're beyond trying to make an impression. If you're in the first two or three years, you may still be trying to do that, but when you've been there seven or eight years, and kids know you, and you know kids, you just do life together. You say, look, this isn't about building the youth ministry. This is about our relationship in a discipleship format as friends or whatever, that we go on the journey together, whether there's 10, 20, 50, a hundred, we're in it to win it. That's, that's how we roll. That's good, man. And I think you're always pointing to vision, right? You're always, the best days are ahead. Um, That's right. I think regardless of where you are, what season you find yourself in, um, that's really good. And that's so much more spiritual than what I was going to say. So I'm glad I let you go first. Well, give me your cheesy stuff. No, okay, give me your cheesy no. stuff. I, don't, I have a lot of cheesy oh, stuff gosh. I do, but okay, I, so this is, I have to maintain. I want to hear the cheese. Give this, me some stuff I can use. This, I need some cheap, cheesy stuff I can use sometimes. Well, this is kind of borderline manipulation. Um, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> so I don't is, judge. Don't judge. I, I, and this is just, uh, I try to be really mindful of the room setup. 
when my numbers are going to be smaller. So even if it's um, an intentional thing where I have intentionally a less students coming or whether it's just like this where, you know, there's a downturn or if it's a week where a lot of students are going to be on break, um, I will intentionally set up less chairs and spread them out so that the room still feels and no, looks full. I do the, I do the same thing. Yeah, I so, do the same thing. I reformat the room to fit because who wants to walk in and see a bunch of empty chairs? Empty chairs, right? Nope. And and Nobody. to be honest, a lot of times I, I I intentionally put out too few, just so that we have to add chairs because it exactly. it, it starts to add some excitement um, when you start adding chairs. If you have to go get a chair for somebody, that's a little. That's like wow, somebody had to go had to go get a chair. Yeah, holy mackerel. So I try to do that. Um, the other thing is I try to make sure that if it's a if I have a smaller smaller group, then then I try to not. And you can't sometimes you can't help this. Like if your stage, if you have a stage, for example, or any any type of small platform you use, uh, if it's in the middle of the room, it's just in the middle of the room. But if I can and I have a smaller group, I try to point them into a corner instead of into the openness of the the width of the room. If that makes sense. Right, to just to make right. it no, feel a little more intimate, and then if I'm really able to, and uh, I will bring in tables, I'll do round tables because the tables will fill the room a lot more than chairs, and yeah. I can control how many chairs go around the tables. So I can put five chairs at each table, or I could put four, or I could put seven, you know, or I could sure. cram them in at eight, and so it just makes the room feel a little more full. And um, and not quite as as vacant as maybe it, it is, and and so those types of things I think I'm always just trying to be mindful of in regards to because man you're right I mean nobody wants to walk into an empty room and feel like oh no yeah. no one else came, and so a lot of times that can throw off just reformatting or setting up the room differently can really throw off some of those kind of perceptions off the front. And uh, and then of course I do all that spiritual stuff you said too, um, but oh yeah yeah sure of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I you know you are I I do am and am really intentional about casting towards the future and towards vision regardless uh, of of what's going on and what the scenario is. Do you think do you think you see this um, downturn? Does it most consistently happen after you graduate a big class? Like, do you notice that after a big class graduates out, you have a smaller class behind it? Uh, well, yeah. I think if you go through several years of it, you know, if you go, I probably had two, two years, two to three years of five or more probably of graduates. And one, one year was much bigger than that. It was probably eight, something like that. So if you have a five, eight and a five, that's a lot right. uh, that you're graduating out. So this year, I think I'll have four. And so, you know, um, and, but once again, it makes for a great, you know, if you can keep people around, you know, this past year, we had a great college career ministry. Yeah. We had lots of people in there. We had lots of things going on, but even that, you know, takes in with, with college students and everything like that, that takes a turn as well. Right. And so, you know, we, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a balloon, you know, if you squeeze a balloon in the middle, 
it, it, it pops on both ends, right? And so no matter where you squeeze that balloon, there's growth going to happen somewhere. Um, you know, so I think as far as, as, you know, when kids graduate, if you have a, if you have a net to catch them in, um, you know, the, the balloon is just, is just being squeezed that way. And then you gotta, you gotta work on, you know, some other things, but, um, you know, I think you, you stay faithful in all the, as many of those areas you can stay faithful in, but you, you can only really focus on one at a time. You're trying to, sure. you're trying to make it all work, middle school, high school, college, uh, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, you're trying to do it. And, and sometimes it's best just to focus on where the growth is and say, look, the other stuff will just have to take care of itself. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this part out. If you start figuring out just to grow, then you're going to leave your, your growing group alone. Then, you know, you're going to have a problem with that. So, right. right. You know, I think you just, Go where the go where the where the bubble is going. Yeah, I think I've noticed, and it's gotten better over the years. I think I've just gotten better at being intentional about it. But I know early on we would have a really big class come through, and it seemed like they just sucked all the attention because they were there. You know, they were there. They were generally a larger class is a little more extroverted, so they're a little more loud. They're they're present, and then the class kind of beneath them kind of gets lost in the mix a little. And if you're not intentional about that, they tend to kind of fade a bit. Um, and then and then we'll have a, a bigger class come through a little. And sometimes I inherit classes like that. So it's not necessarily happening in the student ministry. It's coming up from the children's ministry where right. that same thing has kind of happened, but beneath me. Yep. Um, and so I think I would just throw some caution to those listening as well, that if you've got a really big class, don't neglect them by any means. Invest in them and challenge them, but be mindful of those classes behind them. And that can help a lot when it comes to kind of maybe thwarting off. It's in my new favorite word. I'm trying to bring that back. Um, <laughs> Thwarting? Thwart, yeah. Uh, smite, thwart. It's very, very medieval. Very really medieval. Of- I really like those words. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, it kind of helps buffer a bit maybe the downturn that would come behind it. And, and there's different ways to go about that, which is probably a whole other discussion and episode. Um, but I think at least being aware and mindful that that happens is, is helpful. And look, man, I mean, Paul's right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And how you respond and react will largely dictate how everyone else will as well. And so being ready, being prepared as it comes is, is really, really important. And I love the idea uh, that you're talking about, about going parallel, you know. And and I'll just say, too, just to maybe, this was a huge, I remember, I think Larry Osborne said this once uh, in, in, a, in a book of his, but he said, you know, there's this great myth that everything grows forever. And it yep. doesn't. And it's not healthy, too, right, that... If if something continues to grow and never stops, then it's there's something wrong. Like if if a person continues to grow and never stops, something's wrong. And so there's a yep. point in your ministry where you may have just grown all that you're going to grow, and uh, yeah, f- and that's okay. That's okay. You, you know, typically, what ten percent of the the total your youth ministry is going to represent about ten percent of your church. For 13 yep. to 14 is probably healthy. If you're running 20%, you're probably not healthy. You're missing parents and families somewhere. Now, that's going to change in, uh, depending on your environment. You know, that, that's going to 
dictate that and fluctuate that. But. And your skills too. And it your skills, it depends right? on your skills as well. Can you can you manage some things? You know. Sure. But if you're sitting here and you're you're saying, man, okay, your numbers fall somewhere within twin or ten to fourteen percent. Like you're that's a healthy place. You're good. That there's no needing to panic there. Um, yeah. And things will swing, and and within that pendulum, they'll swing as well. And so you've just got to make sure you stay uh, in in that pocket and and recognize that the numbers themselves do not necessarily dictate health or success. No, they can or your right, but your personal success or your personal your own personal spiritual health. You right. know, it's not a reflection of your whole basis of faith, you know, right. uh, where, if the, is, is, you know, you call into question, am I even saved? You know, am I even, am <laughs> right. I even born again? If this isn't working, you're questioning everything at that point that I must not be very godly or whatever that may be. Uh, you know, you got to work those issues out for yourself, but at the end of the day, that's, it's not, it's not that case at all. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, listen, if you're taking it hard and you're taking it too personal, um, you know, don't. Yeah. Stuff like this happens. If you're in it for any amount of time, it's going to happen, and how you manage it will will be the key to getting out of it. That's right. You are where you are for the sake of the gospel and for the students that you're serving and the families that you're serving right now. And don't lose sight of that. That that is God has placed you in in that place for those people, um, and so be faithful. Be faithful in it. That's right. That's right. Well, Paul, man, I, I appreciate it um, so much. I think it's such an important conversation, and I, and I hope that those listening will really take heed to to what you're talking about because it is coming, uh, and it's important to be prepared for that. Um, but before before we finish and wrap up, um, is there a resource that you would throw out? Um. As far as resources go, I mean, I think I think your spiritual health has to come first in a lot of uh, this because if your soul is dry, um, you're not going to handle things well. You're you're you need an abundance of. I mean, look, I'd read anything by. Um, uh, I, I would read, you know, Oswald Chambers. I'd rather, I, you know, I'd read deep stuff. I mean, because, you know, you, when you hit these deep areas of life, uh, you know, you're going to need some depth. You're going to need, uh, you know, uh, uh, Henry Nuon. All, these guys here that are, you know, that write on these deeper levels. They're not just, they're not, it's not sugar candy devotions. It's like, you better get into it because I'm coming at you. And, and it really, for me at least, I think anything, uh, with any kind of devotional depth will, if you have a, a wealth of the word in you, you, you will be able, it will sustain you because the scripture will come back to your mind. Uh, the, the word of God will, will sustain you in those moments where you remember, uh, promises that were made. You remember, um, People from Scripture who went through—I mean, I mean—it's just the mirror of the Word. If you have a wealth of the Word and a wealth of of spiritual depth within you, you'll be strong enough, and God will lead you through it. I mean, ultimately, that's at the end of the day. You can talk about techniques, you can talk about all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, when the ministry's gone, it's just you and Jesus hanging out, and that's and that's it. Yeah. And so, if that is not well, if that is not well, 
Um, that's it. Doesn't none of the other stuff is going to matter. It's not going to matter. All this church stuff and all this stuff. I mean, that's going to go one day. It'll be over, and you won't be dealing with that anymore. Um, but what will exist and what will continue on is your relationship with the Lord. And so, I'd read uh, deep stuff. I'd be in the Word of God, um, and I would uh, and I would uh, just you know spend some time thinking and meditating and praying and saying, Lord. You know, uh, I'm not going to keep asking you for more kids. I'm just going to keep asking you for more of you. And I know that sounds super spiritual, uh, but uh, when you go through it, um, you're not asking, Lord, I just want to hang on. I just want to, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to, you know, I don't want to just survive this thing. I want, I need to need you at this point, at this moment, because uh, nothing else, me asking you for 10 extra kids, that's nothing for you, God. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you have to say, Lord, it's just me and you. Me and you are going to work this thing out. Man, that's good. That's really good. And if folks want to connect with you, man, I would highly, highly recommend folks checking out the podcast, Youth Ministry in Motion. Um, where else can they? Where else can they find you and connect? Um, they can find me over at uh, thediscipleproject.net. Um, that you can get to all kinds of resources there because that's where the blog is, and then all the links at the top. Uh, you can find my shop there if you're looking for, you know, curriculum or or uh, ideas or things like that. Um, I just put out a new book this year. Uh, got published uh, called Prepared for Impact, um, which is about the planning process and how important that is to. Um, to just just anything. I mean, anything you're trying to do in your youth ministry. But me and uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Latham, uh, wrote it together and put our ideas together about how to successfully plan things, whether that's a retreat, whether that's camp, whether that's just the process of planning and how to work through those things so you can come up with, you know, create space and room for God to be able to do what he wants to do within your ministry. So, uh, but yeah, they can find me over at the, the discipleproject.net and they can find all the other stuff that they want to get to through there probably. Cool. Awesome. Paul, thanks again for coming on, man. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Jody, thanks for having me, man. Cool. We'll catch you later, man. Later. Well, there you have it. Great interview with Paul. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed talking with him about youth ministry. A lot of wisdom there in that guy, and certainly he has seen his share of longevity. A lot to learn from him. I do hope you'll head over and check out the discipleproject.net as well as his podcast, Youth Ministry in Motion. And, of course, all the links and resources that we mention in each episode, you can always find at the show notes page, which for this episode is thelongerhall.com slash episode 044. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 044. And then just a final reminder, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you head over and do that through your favorite podcast player or on iTunes. Make sure you get each and every episode as they come out and you don't miss any. And if you find it helpful and you'd like to go and leave an honest review, that's always encouraging to me as well. Kind of serves as a little encouragement file for me when it comes to the podcast. So I am so grateful for all of you who have already done that. But do make sure you go ahead and subscribe to that. And then finally, just want to give a big shout out and thanks to those who are supporting the show on Patreon. And I would just say, if you're getting value from this and uh, you could consider giving some value back and supporting the show there, that would be much appreciated. And that's at thelongerhall.com slash support. And that'll about do it for today and this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. 
We will see you in the next episode. And until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.